0: Dr. Erica Monhey Greer, blogcasting from Scholarly Wonderlust. This blog is entitled The Torah Person and Trees in Psalm 1. The Oxford Interfaith Forum launched a Psalms reading group to explore the Psalter from multi faith and multidisciplinary perspectives. Rev. Dr. John Goldengay, the David Allen Hubbard Professor Emeritus at Fuller Theological Seminary, opened the inaugural session with a commentary on the first psalm. Psalm 1 introduces the Psalter with a reminder about Torah, the Hebrew word for instruction, sometimes translated as law, Psalm 1 contains aspects of various other psalms, but it sounds different from many other psalms, especially those that follow immediately after. In this way, the first psalm acts as an opening, an introduction that invites readers to consider the Psalter a guidebook that reflects Torah. The entire Psalter is often read as a collection of five major books or sections. Some scholars believe this to parallel the five books of what is called the Torah, which Christians refer to as the Pentateuch. However, Psalm 1 is not only referring to the books of Torah, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but it is referring to the instruction contained within these books, the greater truth of teaching that teaching which leads to life and is known by the fruit of a person's life. The Torah person bears abundant, life-affirming fruit. Dr. Goldengay emphasized the importance of Psalms 1 as an introduction in that it expresses to the reader an idea about the importance of God's instruction, or law, as some translate. Before you can praise God, as is done in some Psalms, protest God, as is done in others, or give thanks, you must become first a Torah person. Readers are invited to delight in what follows and treat the shocking or dark parts as a teaching or instruction for a way of life and an example on how to treat the dark or shocking parts of our own lives. Psalm 1 reads like an instructive wisdom text, reminiscent of Proverbs, which is a wisdom literature book in the Hebrew Bible. Dr. Goldengay reminded us that Proverbs sometimes make outrageous claims about how rewards for the righteous always work out, saying that the righteous always get the better way of life, and the wicked always get their just deserts. There is tension that occurs among the virtues and wisdom offered when reading that alongside Ecclesiastes and its fatalistic, nihilistic attitude toward the world, and Job, which is the story of a wise and good and virtuous man who suffers. It is the same with the Psalms. Individual Psalms stand in tension with one another and with the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, and even with other prophets and the Torah. Psalm 1 reminds us to read carefully and thoughtfully in order to center ourselves in the instruction in the Torah. In order to provide a Christian-centric view of Psalm 1, Dr. Goldengay read from a sermon by Rev. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th-century Baptist preacher from the United States of America. His sermon was entitled, The Truly Blessed Man. Spurgeon's sermon made five points based on his interpretation of Psalm 1. Please note that this summary follows the conventions presented in Spurgeon's sermon so that man is he, although in that time the masculine singular pronoun could stand in for any individual, whether male or female, and it was not called attention to. The first point Spurgeon made was that the blessed man has no title. He could be poor, obscure, marginalized, or well-off, but he is dependent on divine grace, the tree whose roots need water. The second point is that the blessed man avoids the common way of the ungodly, of those who have neglected God. Even when this person is scoffed at, he ignores it and sets his attention on God alone. The third point is, the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Everyone seeks pleasure, and this pleasure can come from a source of wisdom, love, and grace. The Torah is pleasant, profitable, full of wealth and treasure, and can be sought after for pleasure. And point number four, the blessed man occupies his time in meditation, murmuring in prayer and scripture day and night in all of his time, He embraces the blessing of God's Word and avoids its curse, which only comes for those who neglect Torah. And the fifth and final point of Spurgeon's 19th century sermon is that the blessed man's reward is stability. He becomes well-planted and rooted, receiving the gladness of growth, the grace of spread and health, a favored position planted by God's divine will near abundant water. He is content and sustained, a tree divinely planted. Psalm 1 exists to introduce readers to the following psalms in a way that explicitly encourages readers to find instruction in those psalms. The reader seeks in good faith to learn from the Psalter as they would from Torah or any other valuable instruction. This is an act of righteousness that yields blessing for the person who follows, reading the psalter alongside other scripture to learn from god's word is how one walks the journey of becoming as dr goldengay put it a torah person or as charles spurgeon put it a tree divinely planted person after the presentation of a christian centric view of psalm 1 as part of this interfaith dialogue the discussion was opened up to the crowd Some of the discussions that emerged during the session included looking at how important the Psalter is to Christian faith traditions. Still, it is reverently included in critical readings for Muslims. One attendee explained that Islamic worshipers consider it a great privilege to read and sing the holy words of the Psalter in their worship of Allah, and by doing so, they become indeed blessed people. Thus, the study of the Psalms is an individual activity people may share in with one another, even as worshipers in different faith traditions. This is especially important for this reading group that seeks to bring people together in respectful interfaith dialogue and increase awareness and communication so that differences in faith and perspective may be bridged through commonalities. As for me particularly, I am interested in the tree imagery in Psalm 1. When I was young, I memorized this song to a tune that I have known how to sing for as long as I can remember. The image of a tree firmly planted by a river that bears only and always good fruit has enticed my imagination and drawn me into scripture. As Dr. Goldengay was describing the familiar connections between Psalm 1 and the books of Torah, I was struck by the significance of such a connection that, may be binding between Psalm 1 and Genesis, which is a, the first book of the Hebrew Bible, a book that I've been reading several times through this past year for personal reasons. Trees make a significant appearance in the Garden of Eden in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. There are two trees in the creation narratives. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other is the tree of life found in Genesis 2.9 and 2.17 both share symbolic connections with the tree in Psalm 1. The former recognizes the paths of the righteous and the wicked are different, and that a person must have the knowledge to discern between them, a concept that Psalm 1 warns about in a very explicit manner. The latter, the tree of life, reminds me of the tree planted firmly by the river in Psalm Three. In the Genesis narrative, though the fruit of both trees is strictly forbidden, the man and woman eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3.6. This is a significant event in the narrative, and it casts the humans out of the perfect garden, a fate the reader must expect, since humanity does not reside in such a place today. Perhaps someone attempts to redeem such a narrative, offering the reader a path to gain knowledge between good and evil by loving and studying God's Word. As a scholar of biblical ethics and of the Psalter, my interests converge in this topic about how the Hebrew Bible portrays instruction for the sake of a righteous life. These are my initial thoughts on the matter, which I may expand upon in the future. I am very thankful for the opportunity to attend this conference and share in the study and reading of the Psalms with others interested in maintaining open dialogue for a richer understanding of the Psalter. For more information on the Oxford Interfaith Forum and the Psalms Interfaith Reading Group, feel free to follow them on Twitter, which is linked in the blog post, and the next presentation is scheduled uh, for a few weeks from now, uh, the monthly presentation will be given by Rabbi David Wolpe, the Max Weber Senior Rabbi of the Sinai Temple in California, who will present on Psalm 139, blog and blogcast forthcoming. So I just want to thank you for listening in. This has been a blogcast by Scholarly Wonderlust. I am Dr. Erica Monhey-Greer, and I'll see you next time.